This episode is brought to you by Element, spelled L-M-N-T. What is Element? It's a delicious, sugar-free electrolyte drink mix. As a coach, we are constantly trying to find the best products for our athletes to train and compete at their highest level. Element is a great alternative to other commercial recovery and performance drinks and has enough sodium, potassium, and magnesium to get you feeling and performing your best. Plus, it has zero sugar, no artificial ingredients, and is gluten-free. With eight delicious flavors, you are guaranteed to find one your taste buds will love. I know our athletes love the citrus salt. We keep a variety box in the office, and our athletes stop by every day on their way to practice and games to load up. At this point, they won't even touch another product. With amazing products and sponsors like Element, our podcast would not be possible. Right now, when you click on our affiliate link and place your first Element order, Element will give us 100% commission. Element might have the best return policy on the planet. If you don't love it, you'll be instantly refunded. Our next partner has a product I use every day. I started taking Athletic Greens because I wanted a simple all-in-one solution as opposed to the ever-changing variety of supplements I have been taking for as long as I can remember. Sometimes up to three ramekins a day full of pills and powders trying to find the right formula for peak performance. Now that I've been taking Athletic Greens for a few months, I love it and I will never go back. With one delicious scoop of Athletic Greens, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food, sourced superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, and aging. I take one scoop in the morning on an empty stomach and an additional one in the evening when I'm feeling run down. I've seen such a difference in my own performance that I recently ordered additional AG1 for the rest of my family to use. It costs you less than $3 a day, you're investing in your health, and it's cheaper than your cold brew habit, and supports better sleep quality and recovery, in addition to mental clarity and alertness. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash contacts. Again, this is athleticgreens.com slash contacts to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Welcome to the Contacts Coaching Podcast, dedicated to bringing you practical ideas from coaches, sharing what they have learned throughout their career. The show is designed to serve as a digital database of mentorship from a wide network of coaches whose innovative, reflective, and diverse knowledge may offer ideas to enhance your experience. In addition to sport-specific expertise, each episode also dives into the ways in which culture, strategy, and tactics can cross from one discipline to another. I'm your host, Justin Klein. Welcome back to the Contacts Coaching Podcast. We are joined this afternoon by Carson Williams, graduate assistant at Brigham Young University, BYU, men's basketball program. Thanks for being here today. Thanks for having me, Coach. Happy to be here. 
Yeah, I'm looking forward to this. So let's dive in. And we just talked offline a little bit about your background and what that was like. But if you could give the audience a synopsis, take us through the journey. How did you end up in the seat you're in now? And what has that been like throughout your way? Yeah, of course. So I'm from Utah, born and raised there, played on a great high school basketball team, had a great time. Didn't plan initially to play college basketball. Um, I, I served a two-year LDS mission and then came back and was just going to school at BYU at the time without doing any coaching or playing or anything. And then some things aligned and I ended up getting in contact with Coach Basher and Coach Terry um, at Hartnell and ended up going to, to play out there. Um, had a great experience, learned a lot from them and just really enjoyed playing again. Had an unfortunate situation where I did I took a charge and broke my hand early in the year. So I missed a good chunk of the season. And that was really frustrating for me and hard to come to grips with. But it was really ended up being a blessing in disguise where it was my first glimpse into coaching. People had always told me as a player that like I was going to be a coach or that I played like a coach. And I never really got it. But being on that side of it and working with them, and they were very gracious to let me be involved with some of our scouting and game prep and things like that. And so I just looked at the game a little bit differently and just really enjoyed it. So after my year there, I went back to BYU, just going to school, reached out to my former high school coach, Nate Carling, who was coaching at Westlake High School in Utah at the time, and just wanted to help out. And my my plan wasn't to go into coaching at all. It just seemed like something fun to do while I was going to school and kill some time, be around the game still. And it didn't take long for me to realize that that's what I wanted to do with my life. Just being around our kids there, the culture that Coach Carling had built was just really enjoyable for me. And it just felt a match made in heaven. I just loved it. Fast forward a little bit. I spent four years coaching high school. I spent a couple of years there as a JV coach, a hard, one of our varsity assistants as well. Took on a lot more responsibilities with our scouting and skill development, things like that. And we had a couple of great teams. We were the number one seed in Utah, played for a state championship, had our best player that year who was a D1 caliber player. Here's ACL that we played without for a while, but still made it that far. Went to the state semifinals the following year. And after... And had a lot of success there, and I absolutely loved it. I have so many close relationships there. And at the same time, though, I wanted to see what the other side was like. I'd played junior college basketball. I'd coached for a while. And as a competitor, you just you want to climb the, that ladder. And so I wanted to see what that D1 side looked like if I would want to pursue that. And I reached out to some contacts at BYU that I had. And actually, I reached out and had a conversation with our ops, Bobby Hordeski. He doesn't even remember this. But we had a conversation where I was trying to get on as a GA and I think it felt like it was more of a courtesy at the time where he talked to me and laid a former player coming in to, to fill the open role. And there wasn't really any opportunity at the time. So I kind of just forgot about it. I was just focused on coaching high school, working with the high school I was at to try to get a teaching job and try to get a head coaching job at high school, work those ranks. And then about a year later, a buddy of mine who was a G, finishing up as a GA, Brad Kitchen, reached out to me to see if I was interested. They were, had some spots opening up. Um, went through that process, met with Coach Mark Pope a couple of times. It was a whirlwind trying to apply to a master's program and I had to get admitted to that in order to be a GA. So I had two weeks to submit this application, study for the GRE for three days, take that. It was it was a doozy. Luckily, I was able to get accepted to that, a big box to check. And then Coach Pope offered me a spot and I took it. It was mid-May of last year, so just about a year ago. and got thrown into that and I've been there just about a year now. Yeah, so that's what I've been through so far. Perfect. That's a great place to set us up. So I have a couple of threads I want to pull on and I want to start with your mission. And I had a guy on a couple months ago that had gone to the Peace Corps for a while. And I had asked him how that had impacted his journey as a coach. 
and as an athlete, in your case, you went back and played after the fact. But can you talk a little bit about the way in which your experience on the mission has shaped your approach to life and coaching? Yeah, great question. Um, I think first and foremost, while it was really molded my life and set a, you know, jumpstart for everything I did, it was really hard too, right? So it was early mornings and out working all day trying to teach people about Christ. But you know what, people weren't always receptive to that, right? So long days and days where it was hard to have that discipline to just keep going and doing what you needed to do, it would have been easier to go home earlier or to just go hang out with you know, a family that was in the church instead of trying to go visit somebody or find new people that would be open to the message. And I think that's super applicable where there's days that are hard, right? Where we do two a days in September and you're up at, I'm up at 445 every day, almost a month. And those times where, you know, it's hard, right? But you know why you do it. And you, one of the coach Pope's big things is to get better every day. So we talk about that a lot and just having that motivation and discipline to keep doing the things that you're going to pay off even when it's hard to do. So that's one big part of it for me. And I would also say it just puts everything in perspective as well, right? Obviously you got to be a little bit crazy to go into coaching. It's a lot of people have told me that, and I'm sure you've heard that as well. And it's something where you've got to be passionate about it, but at the same time, it's not everything where it's, I think how the, the religious foundation of my life allows me to have something to fall back on when you're going through those hard times or you're in that losing streak or things are hard, right? You can go home or one of the great things about BYU is we never have meetings on Sundays. And as a staff, it's, I'm there Monday through Saturday, 12, 14 hours a day, sometimes longer. But Sundays is just something I really came to appreciate because I would be able to go to church and have that disconnect um, where I could just not think about basketball for a couple hours and to take care of that spiritual side of my life, which was super refreshing and also just allowed me to put things in perspective as well. No, I appreciate that. And I'm always curious when you take, essentially in your case, and in the Peace Corps example, two years off from your routine to go and serve and how the takeaways from that impact what you do moving forward. So thanks for sharing that. Okay. Secondly, you broke your hand taking a charge, which basketball coaches will tell you is the <laughs> greatest play in basketball. So I appreciate that about you. Just wanted to I was know. a charge guy. That was, oh, that was my thing. There you go. I'm big on that. The team is big on that. We have a like a championship belt that we give out when guys take charges. Some people don't like them. I do, but we'll leave that. <laughs> uh, going from JV high school coach and varsity assistant to college, what are the things that you can point to that are the biggest differences, so to speak, that you have observed and noticed? Just think, um, so. If you circle back, right, I'm coaching JV basketball. That's your primary deal. You're also helping with the varsity guys. And then it's right. okay. I'm coming in as a GA. I have no idea. We'll talk about this, what your responsibilities are right now, a year right. into right. A, essentially a power five level program. So what are the major differences, right? As people think about, I want to be at this level. I want to be at this level. Talk us through that. Yeah, man, so much. Time in the gym is a big one. But the high school level we have, in the summer we got kids in the gym or after practice, you know, I might work with a kid for 20 minutes doing something. But one, there's so much to do. We'll probably talk about this as well. I'm at my desk all day. And especially when we're in the offseason, guys come in for developmental stuff. And so I'm on the court all the time where our guys have 24 access to our gym. And that's, I think the skill development is something that's drastically different where we spend so much time there. Workouts with one of our assistant coaches and a player 
and a GA and a manager or doing that a couple of times a week. We're starting up our off-season workouts here soon, and that's going to be a huge part of it. And that's something that I've, I've done a little bit, but it was more just shooting and maybe a little bit of what we ran offensively at the high school. But like the in-depth and what we work on and finishes and the types of shots we do, it's just, it's all so pointed for a purpose. And just the level that we do that at is so different. Another thing I think was super different in my personal experience with scouting. I did, and at the high school level, there's some varying degrees of that. You know, I was fortunate to work for a phenomenal head coach, but his philosophy was more along the lines of we are going to do what we do. And if we do a good job of that, we're going to be in good shape. And so- I like that guy. <laughs> he's, he's one of the best for, the re for a reason here in the state. And, but the, at the college level, I'm paired with one of our assistant coaches. So we've got three GAs and three assistants, right? And one of us is each paired with an assistant. We help, they they're kind of have their specific players that they work with. So we do a skill development with that coach. We do scouting with that coach and other things that they don't have time for or they want help with. We get those responsibilities. And so when it came to scouting, that was something we did. A, the level of depth and detail we go to is just night and day difference. So we were in the WCC this last year. We're moving to the Big 12. Let's say we're going to play Portland, for example, or somebody. So I'll watch the last three, four games that they played, and I will label every single possession on offense. So if it's a horn set, if it's whatever, coming off a floppy or whatever it looks like, who it's for, what type of shot they get. We use sport code, sports code, which is the greatest resource ever. We're going through that. Like I'll have a playlist that's three or 400 clips broken down all their sets, you know, what the player is it, you know, who's doing what, that type of stuff. So the level of detail there, it took me a while to figure it out. And I would go back to the assistant and show it to him, Coach Fieger, who I work with. He'd be like, okay, no, let's, can you do this? So it got to the point where it was much more, I figured it out after a while, but it took me a minute to realize just how much detail we needed on all these things. And obviously you narrow that down a lot once it gets to the players, but just how wide of a base we set to understand our opponent was something that was really eye-opening for me. Love it. So philosophically, now that you're a year in and eye-opening and you're learning all this new stuff, I mentioned that I like your, your high school coach because in my age and 25 years in and coaching high school and the time we have or don't and how to thread the needle of being as efficient as you can, I'm with him. It's like, this is what we're going to do and I'm not scouting and you guys can adjust. So what would you say if you went back to work with him at that level how much do you think all of this data analysis really moves the needle in regards to where you put your time and energy? And I ask that simply because you know the difference in the landscape, right? You said you're at your desk all right. day, you got time to do these things. And the high school coach, you don't. You're teaching, your kids are in class, you got to get in the gym and do X, Y, and Z. Where would you put your time and energy knowing that's your only non-renewable resource if you had to like craft right? The perfect model for kind of high school doing it at that level. Yeah. So I'm going to kind of, one more thing I just thought of that'll help me answer this question that I didn't mention in the last one, where I think we, our staff at BYU, I think is one of the more analytically driven staffs in the country would be my guess. Yeah. Um, you got you know, seven we, analytical coaches on your website. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we do a lot. And our coaches do a great job of that, where synergy, we look at religiously. And that's something that I've really learned the ins and outs of, but looking at but I think the, obviously the resources are different, but I think the idea of it is very applicable where essentially the whole point of it is put kids in position or put players in position where they're really going to succeed where they're most effective, right? So if your points per possession is a 1.1 on spot ups or on, as a pick and roll ball handler or whatever, as a cutter, okay, you should do these things more. This is only, let's say when the kid's a cutter, he's got 1.2 points per possession, which is crazy high. 
And but if you only do that 8% of the time, let's increase how often you do that to make you a more effective player and help our offense because you're getting better looks and the shots that you're taking are a lot higher percentage than maybe whatever mid-range or whatever that other shot might be. And so I think there's obviously there's a marriage you can find there at the high school level where, you know, the resources are a little bit different, but I think being able to recognize where your kids excel and I think tailoring your offense or where they're going to get those looks to just help your your effectiveness as an offense as a whole. I think that's a way where it's not super complicated to make that happen, but it could also be super effective. Yeah, no doubt. And what I really like about what you said is the focus on your athletes, right? Because what I've found is every time I try to prepare, so to speak, our guys for what's coming, we lay an egg. So I just stop doing that and focus on what are the analytics telling us about our kids and how can we enhance what you just said, where they're best at, and utilize those tools versus doing these long, elaborate game plans for the other team, which at the high school level, the retention isn't always there. Right. So what do you do for 14 hours a day sitting at your desk as a GA? <laughs> oh, every, like, I get asked that question so often, and I never know how to answer it. It really varies on a day-to-day basis. During the season, we practice at two o'clock every day. I'm in grad school myself as well. I might have class for an hour or two, and I get there between eight and nine. I might have class for an hour or two in the morning. And then from there, it could be sometimes taking this player needs to go, needs this taken care of, helping him do that. Or sometimes guys have a personal workout in the morning. They've got 10 minutes to get showered and they make a 20 minute walk around across campus to get to class. Guys get ready, jump in the golf cart, take guys to class, things like that. And then probably around one o'clock, we start doing practice prep stuff. As a staff, we talk about our practice plan in the morning. That's done in our staff meeting. One of my responsibilities is printing those off. We've got specific kind of metrics for our guys that we put on the back of it. So I print those, give them to all of our coaches before we head out. Uh, I'll be down on the court 20, 30 minutes before practice, helping guys get shots up or making sure our managers know what's happening that day, running through it. If there's anything different, prepping them for that. We'll practice for an hour and a half, two hours. And a lot of times there's shots after that. And then one of our responsibilities as GAs as well is our post-practice meals. Um, so I've usually, the day before or a couple of days before, I've worked with, you know, I've talked to this GM of a restaurant or I've ordered online this, and then they're calling me to make sure that's coming. So I hand my phone off to one of our managers. They set that up. I make sure we're good there. And then by the time we're done eating, the guys are getting extra shots up. It's probably five, six o'clock at that point. Um, and a lot of times during the season at that point, it, was when I could finally get some of the scouting stuff done I needed to. So then I'm watching games or I'm putting together, we've already done the basic stuff in it, and I'm putting together the sorters or the playlists of what film we're going to show if I've got a scout coming up. What's the identity of this team? It's a transition team. It's a steals team. It's an offensive rebounding team. I'm going to get five clips of each, put those in a sorter. We're going to show those in three days for our first day of game prep for whoever it is. So I probably, it's a couple hours of that. I always joke that my entire master's I complete between the hours of 11 p.m. and 1 a.m. Yeah. Um, so might might squeeze in a little bit of that at some point. And during the season, I probably go home on average probably between eight and nine most days. No doubt. All right. appreciate that. Uh, let me pivot here. So you work for a very successful high school coach. You're working for a guy at BYU that's been really successful. What are the best things each of those programs do that have the greatest impact on whatever culture you're trying to create. So if you were to tomorrow get to start your own program, what are you taking from each of those programs that you're going to make sure you do regardless, even as you try to find your own voice? Yeah, that's a great question. I think at the high school level, 
cultures are such a big thing because like you said, you don't have a ton of time with those guys. And so I think the consistency on what you build is huge. We've got a motion offense that we ran at the high school. That's a little bit different. John Beeline used to run back in the day. A lot of people call it two guard that we've done for a long time. And our, our kids do that in junior high and then they do it in high school. And it was funny, a couple of years ago, the year we made the championship run, we hadn't really run it at all that season. And then in our semifinal matchup going against a really good program, an all-state center, a kid that's at Michigan State now playing, got some minutes as a true freshman. But they had beat us pretty good a couple weeks before. We didn't know what to do. And we ran something we literally hadn't run all year because these kids had spent five years running it. And it really allowed us to do things we hadn't done before. And so I think knowing who you are, knowing what your principles are, and one of the things that's a little bit unique that Coach Carling does at the high school level is we force everything middle. So we don't give up baseline, which is very different than what most people do at this point in time. Heavy gaps, the Tony Bennett pack line idea, but just really emphasizing the stunts one pass away and things like that. Just, I think you can only have so many things that you really just harp on and that are your identity offensively and defensively, but just knowing what those are and knowing like where you're really going to hang your hat on, I think is super important. And so those are small examples. And I think in the time that I've spent with Coach Pope, it's really just a lot of things that I knew, but I didn't know how to quantify or put into words what it is. And he just really defines that he's such a really just high IQ guy in basketball and just in, in general, one of the smartest people I've ever been around. And so one thing Coach Pope always says is I hate synonyms. So we're going to have one word for this. We're going to have one word for that. And you can say something four different ways. And people do that all throughout the game, but being consistent in your message, saying it this like, even what's an example I can think of with this. For example, last summer, we were really emphasizing our transition and you hear the terms rim runner and wing runner, whatever all the time, but we changed that to rim sprinter, wing sprinter, because he just really wanted to emphasize getting out. And no one ever said rim runner because we were saying it this way. And that was our point of emphasis. And so that's one small example with that. But yeah, and then we have, we've got this culture wall. That's a couple of our acronyms that are our main kind of who we are. And there's all sorts of phrases on there as well that kind of just make up that identity. And so I mentioned one earlier, which is G-Bed, get better every day. Coach Pope talks about that incessantly. Every single day, it's, did we get better day? What am I doing? Like just focusing on that 1%, right? And people say that, and like you hear that as coach speak, but the how often he says that, like it really is a part of who he is and it's a part of his program because that's just... But it's come out um, where he talks about it so much and it's such a point of emphasis that it becomes real rather than just a talking point. So you mentioned- So I would say that's a couple of things. You mentioned a culture wall. How does that stuff, whatever's on there, because I haven't seen it, obviously, get lived out? How do you take it off the wall and make it come alive in your program? Talk a little bit about how that happens at BYU. Yeah, I think- I think a lot of it just depends what you emphasize as coach. And if you stay true to what, you know, if you say it when it's easy, you still say it when it's hard. Or if your starter does this thing, is he treated the same way as somebody else? With our word wall, there's a couple of main things on there. So one thing, get better every day, which I've talked about. Another big thing um, is BLRA, which is best locker room in America. And Coach Pope talks about that a lot where our guys sticking together, caring for each other, and just really creating that bond in our locker room that's going to set us apart from everybody else and i think that's done one of the ways he talks about that is doing hard things together it's like the two days that i mentioned or just watching film or things like that just putting in the work and be able to do things together that other people aren't willing to do and the bond that comes from that and so i think that's part of it be relentless is a big thing as well that we talk about we talk about how that happens 
a lot of these things that are on here, like when I think about it, it's just, it's who coach Pope is. I think he spent a decade in the NBA. He always says that he was the worst player in the NBA. I don't think anybody believes him, but he is, he's a big guy. He's 6'9", 6'10", but he's just, I think his whole life, he has prided himself on outworking people and finding ways to success through that. And so that's what he's built our program on. And that's just, that's who he is. And I think that's bled into our program. And then just little things that are in our offense. We've got our transition to, or our principles of transition defense or pace, space, extra pass. is something we talk about a lot. If you drive in the lane, race to space is something that we say all the time, where to create that spacing for a second drive and also to get that next catch and shoot. Things like that. What else is on here? That's a good sample size. I want to pivot to right. access you have at, again, a place like BYU that's moving to the Big 12. It's a well-known program pretty much in all the sports. What have you learned, if anything, if you even have time to wander around and watch other disciplines practice or engage with other players while you're there? What have you learned watching other programs that you've been able to put in your Rolodex for future use? Are you talking about at BYU or talking about like programs that we've played against? I'm talking about at BYU, say the softball team or the football team or hell at Westlake when you were there. Just I'm always curious about the crossover. A lot of people think, hey, I only got to study basketball, but I'm one of my soapboxes is, look, you can learn from anything going on around you if your eyes are open. We don't cross paths a lot with different programs. Obviously, I keep tabs on a little bit with football in particular or other sports you run into here and there. And I think... Like our football team in particular is one that they've had quite a bit of success. Had some good teams, top 25, high draft picks. And I do think BYU is it's a little bit different than most places, right? I think a lot of people that don't know anything about it or kind of have this, there's a, kind of a, this mystery around it. What are those Mormons like or what really happens over there? But I think there's a family aspect to it where just that's built in the program as well, right? Where there's, that's obviously at a faith-based institution that's a big part of, you know, just the culture overall of BYU. But I think that's bled into a lot of these sports where just creating those tight knit bonds and having that be something that's emphasized in your family, quote unquote, just of your, of your team or of your program and having people that really care. And I think that's something that like our football team appears has done a good job of as well. Mr. Taki, who's the head coach there is something that he talks about all the time. The guys that I know that have been in that program, um, it's something that's super emphasized as well. And so I think... Yeah, that's, I would say that's one of the main ways that, that I've seen it. Great. Awesome. Appreciate that. All right. I got one more question here. What have you most recently changed your mind on? So I used to be over here and now I'm over here and here's why. And it could be basketball related. It could be life. It doesn't really matter. It's just a growth mindset. What are the ways in which we constantly reevaluate our positions and stances on things? That's a good question. What have I changed my mind on most recently? Let's see. And the one thing that I've mentioned is the way defensively that we run the high school is always, it was kind of a little bit unique that we had done where just having things in those gaps and being available there. But now it's keeping things on the sideline and not people get, not letting teams get side to side, icing ball screens, things like that. That's some, and that's something where, you know, when I was initially exposed to it, because I had been, I spent four years teaching kids and being so ingrained on this one mindset, which was unique in its aspect. But I think seeing that differently now, and I think for me personally, I was like, okay, this is how we do it, but I'm not sure if this is what I want to do long-term. And I think I've come to the point, one of the ways that we break down for each game that we play, we look at our points for possession on, you know, when you touch one side of the floor, two sides of the floor, three, th three sides of the floor. And obviously if you look at points for possession, when you do that, it goes up and up. And so I think 
that's one thing that I threw analytically seeing those numbers and through just being around it more. That's just a basketball example. But that's one thing where, you know, if you can keep things on one side of the floor and not let, you know, them get side to side or stay out of rotation, it's super effective. And it's something that's really common in, in high school, college basketball, the NBA at this point, or like icing ball screens I'd never really done before, but we do that quite a bit as well. And so just things like that, where you're exposed to it, you're unsure. And then once you see the results or see how effective it can be, I've really come to embrace that more in my own personal philosophy. No, I love that. Thank you. That's a great example, actually. And I would imagine if I was to not have the stats in front of me, which I don't, speculating, you get it changed three times, you're probably scoring at a higher points per possession than if it's only one time, which is the whole point of let's keep the ball on one side. Exactly. Awesome. All right. Hey, thanks for being here today. I got to run out to softball, but I appreciate you taking the time to jump on. Thank you, coach. Appreciate it. This podcast was also brought to you by teachhoops.com. As coaches, our inboxes will get flooded with noise on how to make your program better. Teachhoops.com will get you focused on what needs to get done. One thing you've heard from these podcasts is no matter the experience, you got to keep pushing yourself to be better. Coach Steve Collins will help you direct that noise. He is there to help you. He has the credentials as a coach, and he's never turned down an Teach Hoops member. Sign up for a plan at teachhoops.com and mention us at checkout. This site is here simply to help you be better. Take advantage and see you on the court. Remember, go to teachhoops.com. This episode is brought to you by Element, spelled L-M-N-T. What is Element? It's a delicious sugar-free electrolyte drink mix. As a coach, we are constantly trying to find the best products for our athletes to train and compete at their highest level. Element is a great alternative to other commercial recovery and performance drinks and has enough sodium, potassium, and magnesium to get you feeling and performing your best. Plus, it has zero sugar, no artificial ingredients, and is gluten-free. With eight delicious flavors, you're guaranteed to find one your taste buds will love. I know our athletes love the citrus salt. We keep a variety box in the office and our athletes stop by every day on their way to practice and games to load up. At this point, they won't even touch another electrolyte product. Without amazing products and sponsors like Element, our podcast would not be possible. Right now, when you click on our affiliate link and place your first Element order, Element will give us 100% commission. Last thing, Element might have the best return policy on the planet. If you don't love it, you'll be instantly refunded.